Hello Rebels, before we kick off today's episode, let me ask you a question. What if we could help you unlock your marketing superpower in one day or less? Actually, to be precise, I mean three hours. Yes, you heard it right. What I'm asking you is three hours of your time to join us for a brand new intensive experience on Marketing Deep Dive. One day masterclass that will help you create marketing strategies that capture hearts and mind. And every single masterclass is going to dive deep into one of our favorite topics of marketing. Maybe that email marketing, hiring, or even automations and beyond. If you want to get the fast track ticket to become irresistible, then I suggest you check out our upcoming marketing deep dive, where you're going to get two hours of hands-on training with lots of exercises and practical group work as well. Plus one hour bonus office hours and Q&A. Oh, and we also have a personalized dashboard and bonus templates to help you apply what you learn in our three hours. And just to put a little bow on it, you also get a certificate of completion to show up wherever you can see. If you'd like to find out what is coming up next and which one is our next marketing deep dive, all you have to do is go to amschool.click slash masterclass. There you'll be able to find our schedule with our upcoming masterclass for you to join. On with today's show. Hi, Marketing Rebels. What if you could have a stunning website tailored to your unique brand all created in mere seconds? Sounds like a dream, right? Well, we all singers AI website builder is actually a reality. I give it a whirl because you know me. And honestly, I was blown away. Just answer three simple questions and voila, your website, complete with copy and images, springs to life. And the best part? You can tweak it to perfection with a drag and drop editor. No coding, no fuss. Imagine unleashing your brand's potential with a website that's not only stunning, but also SEO friendly. Plus, with Ostinger's AI tools, you can even predict visitor behavior, the closest thing to a crystal ball for your business. Ready to revolutionize your online presence? Head over to hostinger.com AMS to use the code AMS for 10% off your order and a free domain name. Your dream website is just a few clicks away. On with today's class. What you want to do is think that everything is content. If you are listening to this live podcast, this is content. Go write about it and say, oh, I did this today, kind of thing. You go and have dinner later and you spill coffee on the floor or whatever. Go write about it. That's a post, you know, and it's all that kind of stuff, you know, and it's and it doesn't it doesn't have to be work related. It doesn't say, oh, I dropped coffee and it taught me that actually I should go get a marketing degree or whatever. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Right. So sometimes you just want to tell stories because they are stories and what it is it gives people an insight into your lives hey marketing rebels hello it's fab here your marketing bff and head teacher at old marketing school a modern school teaching you how to market to hearts and together each week we share the freshest news, articles, insights that you simply can't miss. And today we're bringing you insights from a wonderful human. I'm joined by the one and only Gus to talk about LinkedIn. 
Hello, Gus. How are we doodling? Hi, Fab. I'm all the better for seeing you. I'm really glad that I'm here. Thank you so much. I have a question for you because I was thinking about colors today. I know everybody. Mm-hmm. I promise we'll talk about LinkedIn. But I was thinking about colors and our color has slowly become yellow. So if you see yellow, I wanted to slowly start thinking about this cool. I got my yellow blazer. I got my yellow leather jacket, which she's super cool. I was so chuffed when I found that. I see orange. And when I see orange, I think of Gus. Can I ask you why is that? How did orange become so much part of your brand? You know, that's a great question. It's a very long story, but I'll keep it short. So basically, many years ago, when I had like a proper marketing job, what I would do is I would teach people all about um, marketing, etc. And I used to use Terry's chocolate oranges. And I used to teach people about segmentation, so different parts of the market, etc. Then when I started my business, I spoke to a branding specialist. And originally, we were supposed to choose purple and silver. And we eventually, and when I saw my logo in purple and silver, I was like, that looks horrible. That's awful. So then he said, well, what are your favorite colors? And I said, oh, well, I love black and I love orange and, you know, et cetera. So we, we went with that. And when, as soon as I saw my logo, I was like, that's the one it's got to be. Um, and obviously being a marketer, over the years, you learn about the fact that you have to stand out. You have to, there's something that differentiates you as, as opposed to kind of like, sorry, in addition to what you do, there's also like other things. And like yourself, like you said, you know, the yellow blazer and the yellow leather jacket or those shoes with the yellow lightning strike behind you, you know, all that kind of stuff. It really, when we start thinking of things like that, and it's these bright, vibrant kind of colors rather than the blues or the the greens and the reds, you know, kind of thing. So uh, yeah, I, I love it. So orange is because of chocolate, basically. <laughs> That's the short answer. That is the best reason ever. First of all, Terry Chocolate Orange, big lover myself. Um, but I love how you kind of go back to what I was thinking about today, again, which was the power of association. And um, it's interesting that, as you said, it's kind of in marketing as well. Like just, we want it to feel right to us too. But also what I found is that, for example, I will find it a lot in like a bigger brand perspective, but also one of the places where I've seen it stand out more when it comes to the association of the colors, like thank goodness for hearts of different colors, because you send me your orange, I send you my yellow is a nice little trade-off. Um, but I think LinkedIn has been one of the first places where I started to see this little elements of unique branding starting to pop out a bit more and people like reiterating whether it's their emojis whether it's their colors i've really seen and i want to hear your opinion on that before um i start with the most important and the first question on the pod i want to hear your opinion about this about like linkedin really how we started already thinking about the personal brand side of things in a way that maybe other platforms didn't until more recently have you seen that as well like people honing that and trying to figure out what that looks like for them Yeah, you know, it's almost by design and by default, you know, like LinkedIn chose to to like turn down brands, you know, the company pages are really difficult to get traction on. So you can have a company page on, so you can be the old marketing school on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and TikTok, etc. But on LinkedIn, you have to be fab kind of thing as in name and nature, obviously. Um, so that's where we come in. Yeah. And it's the personal brand where, so LinkedIn by default have pushed that. So what's happened is particularly the pandemic has exasperated that. So obviously they were trying to build up brands. People are trying to build up their companies, et cetera. And then the, we realized in the pandemic that actually we want to see the face of the brand. So then we started talking to each other and being personable with each other and telling each other stories, et cetera. And that's where I think LinkedIn are now, it's the primary place to build a personal brand, in my opinion.
in your unbiased opinion, I should say. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but that's why we're here today, everybody. Actually, I have a question on the follow on the back of that. And if you are here live with us, and I know you're going to have questions at the end of the weekend that you can ask as well, you can let us know as well in the chat. Every so often I will like, see if there's anything that pops up. But I want to ask you guys and then see if anybody else has their thoughts as well. What are some of the main blocks, obstacles, sabotages, we choose the name we want, that people might find and that you have heard from, you know, your events and talking to people when it comes to actually starting to show up as the people, as their personal brands on LinkedIn? Two blocks that I see is the, the first one is that most people don't know that LinkedIn has changed. Like they haven't come to LinkedIn for so long and they still see it how it used to be. Um, as in a place where you put CVs and try to find jobs, etc. And once you found a job, you don't need to use LinkedIn again. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest blocker. The other blocker is because people have been on, some people have been on LinkedIn for years, they have curated an audience over years of people that they work with or their family and their friends, etc. And then they get to a point where they say, I don't want to post because I'm scared of what those people will think. And I think that's that's probably the biggest blocker. And it's the easiest one to get rid of because you just say, well, just get rid of those people. We'll block them, we'll disconnect from them, etc. But also, my answer to that is, if you, like, think about who's going to pay your bills. Think about who's going to pay you. And if those people that you used to work for and used to be connected to and your next door neighbors, brothers, dogs, sister, you know, if they're not going to ever give you money, it doesn't, their opinion does not count. It's as simple as that. We have to grow our personal brands and tell stories that attracts our ideal clients and brings people to us so that we can get over the two biggest blockers in terms of LinkedIn has massively changed. And don't worry about your network. It's all about the future. I think it probably resonated with a lot of people already we're going to talk about other things that came up especially with some of the questions that i brought in and that came from some of our students as well that i think really reflect some of these blocks or misconceptions or really non-starters that you don't feel like you know where to start and as we're seeing if anything else comes up i have my core question which is obviously part of the class in session because indeed we're here to learn and this is a bit timed if you may as in i want to know one thing gus just one thing one thing that you can teach our students and listeners in one minute or so about LinkedIn. If you were to teach them one thing, what would that one thing be? The one thing would be to have conversations, to use it to talk to other people. Now, that one thing, there are a number of, number of kind of, you know, spider legs. So we can say, what we have to do is optimize our profile. So it tells the world who we are and what we do and what we're good at. And we kind of, you know, I always say, tell the world, what we do, who we do it for, how we do it, and why people should work with us. What do we tell people? Um, like, what can you achieve by working with us? And then obviously the one big thing from there is to have two-way conversations, connect with the right people, speak to people, etc. Unlike other channels, LinkedIn isn't really a broadcast channel. It's a place where we have two-way conversations. And although we say that about all social media, social media is consumed. So TikTok is consumed. Instagram reels are consumed. Whereas on LinkedIn, we have conversations, we talk to one another, and that's where the real gold is. So I think if I can teach anybody anything, just make sure that you engage with your network, you talk to them, send them DMs, comment on their content, like their content, um, create content that asks questions and garners conversation, etc. So two-way conversation is, is the key, to you know, in, in my opinion. That is so important. And also, I think 
it goes back into one of the potential blockers that people might have, which is just starting to actually post themselves. Mm. And actually, if you if we go back to what you just shared with us, and I have more questions about the connection piece, but if um, you know we just start with the connection piece, then it means that we're not necessarily thinking about what do I have to share as myself. You're thinking, who am I connecting with at first? Who are the first mm. connections that maybe I am intentionally wanting to keep up with and and nurture? I'm going to use the word. Yeah. And then start commenting on their posts. And I generally believe that creativity and ideas will also come from that by seeing the people that you want to connect with. What do they talk about? What are they passionate about? What stories are they sharing? And how do you feel about those stories? Does anything come back to you as well? I have mm. one question for the busy peeps, because one of the big things that we both share, I'm going to do a little dance just for the video only because I'm happy, <laughs> is efficiency. Just the efficiency dance. System, yeah. efficiency. Um, <laughs> one could argue that everybody yeah. could argue that when you look at Gus and you follow him and you connect with him on LinkedIn it feels like he's always there ready to help but also we have to be mindful of our time and connection can actually feel I think very time consuming especially when we think about it that idea of talking to people and commenting so what would you say is the number one thing that we need to remember if we do want to add the connection piece first on LinkedIn or we want to get better at it but we also want to do it in a way that it doesn't feel like our whole day has to be spent scrolling on the platform and commenting. Absolutely. There are there are people who spend all the day on LinkedIn. I am one of them. Um, but then it's my day job. I get paid for this kind of stuff. It's, uh, you know, I have clients. It's what they do. It's what I do for them. Now, for most people who have a proper job, you don't want to spend all the day on social media. So the, the idea of LinkedIn is that you have to be efficient. Now, the way to be efficient is the you curate the perfect audience so you get the people that you want to speak to. So you create a positive echo chamber. And then literally you spend 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the evening, just scrolling, just engaging with others. Even if you don't create your own content, it's very easy to create an, curate an audience and then engage with that audience. Comment on their content, like their content, engage with them, maybe send them a DM just like, hey, how are you? You know, that kind of stuff. Um, but it's the the goal, and because the goal is in the engagement, you don't have to spend all your day doing that. That's the thing. You don't have to kind of have fancy. Some of my best content takes me all of ten seconds to write. I think of something and then I write it down on LinkedIn and I post it. And it's like, it's so silly and inane, but people love it. And you know, etc. When I spend hours on content, it dies. It's just like nobody sees it. And it's like, ah, oh, man, it's really cool. It's, you know, it's a great blog post. People don't have time. People are scrolling and. The gold is in the engagement. So what I would say is to be efficient, maybe spend a few minutes in the morning, a few minutes in the evening, just engaging with others. Just, you know, if you haven't got time to create your own content and all that kind of stuff. There's one piece in that that is even more gold than all the gold, just saying, just all the gold, mm. which I would do another dance for, but I don't know how many dances I can do consecutively before we start feeling <laughs> like there's something wrong. Uh, sure. But mentally, I'm dancing at the idea of the curation piece because I think that's actually something that people might hear it and you might think about it, but you don't really let it like, sink in. Mm. LinkedIn is one of the few places where actually, I think the curation of your own network is a lot stronger because let's be honest, Obviously, people follow you on any other platform doesn't mean you have to follow them back. But still, they can enter into your world, you know, mm. whether you like it or not, which means they can also engage with you. And it might be something that, you know, at first you don't think makes a difference in the way that then you show up on the platform. But actually, LinkedIn is the only place where, yes, people can follow you now, which is a bit different. But obviously, 
when they connect with you for real, that's an easy and powerful gateway into like a one-to-one conversation if you know how to do it well. So I think that curation piece is something that maybe we don't think about enough. Um, and actually like the idea of um, housekeeping with that as well, which I think is really, really important. And it kind of leads me to another point just on the connection piece as well, which is, do you have a process when it comes to going from public to private, I'm going to call it. And that's the only other piece on the connecting element and the networking, because the magic for me really happens when I get somebody in the DMs and I'm like, hi, I promise I'm going to be nice. And um, I think if we think it might be easy, but for so many of us, it's hard to start the conversation without people being like, oh my God, it's another random spam bot that was going to go straight into my blocking system. So I don't know if you have any tips for that, because I think it's very relevant for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a lot of LinkedIn trainers will kind of suggest that you should have massive audiences. And there's no point having a massive audience if they're not interested, they're not engaged, or they're like, they're not your ideal client avatar or ideal client persona, whatever you call it. So audience curation is one thing. And it's better to have a smaller audience that's interested rather than a large audience that's not. And then particularly when it comes to um, kind of obviously it's about having the right audience and then creating content that those audience that audience wants to read now when it comes into the dms it's always about the non-selling and we know this like as marketers we know look you know we have to sell because we have to make money but at the same time if we went in with a cold pitch people aren't interested so what i what i usually do is if people engage with my content enough or if they comment on my content where they say oh i like this content or i agree with this etc i will just take it offline and just say kind of you know, oh, sorry, not offline, take it into DMs and just say, well, thanks for your comment or thanks for engaging today or would you like to elaborate on this, etc. What I find is that as humans, we love talking about ourselves. So one of the things is to engage people in a conversation is to ask about them. The biggest problem is that what people do is they talk about themselves. Hey, you know, thanks for commenting. Just so you know, I do LinkedIn training and I'm a marketing strategist, etc. People switch off. They don't care because it's like, yeah, I've already seen your profile. I don't, you know, if I need you, I'll call you. Whereas if you go, if you ask about them, like, oh, so what are you up to nowadays? How are things or how's business? Or, you know, can you just elaborate on your headline or something like that, etc. People love talking about themselves and that, that engages in a conversation, which then demonstrates a bit of, you know, the no like trust. They get to know you, they get to like you, and hopefully over time they get to trust you because you're having those conversations. Two notes on that. First of all, yes. Secondly, if you think about what I also kind of not just did, but what I did at the beginning, where obviously been talking to guys for a while, I even met you in real life, which is not something that you can say for most people that you connect with, especially on this podcast, because all over the world. And um, obviously I noticed something. I noticed the, yeah, the orange as much as our yellow. So I was genuinely interested in knowing that. And I think mm. that's the element of going back to you trying to connect with people in your feed. Yeah. You will learn and pick up things and sometimes for me if I know that I want to connect with somebody and it's been a while and I see that they're celebrating something or they've done something that's actually a good time for me to ask them about that or to you know to let them know that I saw that or what I took out from that it is an element of actually thinking about these as relationship building which you talked about within all I can trust so I really love that you mentioned that and it's not the easiest if it doesn't come natural and even to me it doesn't come natural mm. by default but I've learned it with the podcast and in general to make it more part of the process of me connecting with people. And I've seen personally that really has been paying off a lot. I don't know if it makes sense to you or something that you also do, like a little investigator hat on and 
trying to learn more about people before I reach out, even if I don't know really what we're going to get out of it. But if I know there's a potential to do anything together, Mm. I still want to reach out in a way that is mindful and that is meaningful as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the thing is we live in an ironic world where we want to make money, but we don't want to buy from anybody else, like without us getting to know them. So all our suppliers, all our clients, everybody we work with are people that we do get to know, like and trust. And so it's it's exactly what you said. It's basically investigating people, learning about people, learning what makes them tick. You look at their content, you look at their headline, you read their about section, you click on their company page, you visit their website, you learn about people so that when they talk about themselves, you can repeat something back to them, which shows that you've done your research, which also shows that you're actually interested rather than just trying to get to a pitch at the end, you know, kind of thing. And I think that's the thing. When you've done your due diligence and you've done your research on somebody, it genuinely shows that actually you're just you're just interested in that person. You just actually genuinely want a conversation. And you can't fake that. There's no way of faking that. And like, regardless of what any AI specialist tells you, you can't do it with AI. You can't fake being a good person and asking people questions about them and actually genuinely being interested in somebody else. Which leads me to a great point, which is making marketing more human means being a goddamn decent human being. Please and thank you. Literally, like if you were to <laughs> summarize one of our messages, that will probably be it. Just be, if you are more human and you treat these relationship building as a human it will be a lot easier because you don't have to force it. And I love what you mentioned within that as well, because I think it's so important. And actually makes me shift slightly into something that I wanted to ask you anyway, but I'm really going to lead with the questions of our audience because it's already students are really on it today. Little rebels are, are giving us the goodness. So first of all, thank you, rebels. I'm going to um, do a little post check if you're here live. And if you're listening, just think about the answer for yourself. Um, if you're live, you can give us hearts. If you don't post a lot of content or don't post content at all on LinkedIn. Or there's a little guy with glasses in the reactions who I'm obsessed with. If you are more active and you're posting more on LinkedIn. So let's see, we've got some hearts. Uh, let's see if we've got guy with glasses is my favorite, by the way. Uh, we've got quite a few guys with glasses and just a couple of hearts as well. So we have quite a few active people, but I think it's still good to come back to even the basics of just kind of starting out. So I'm actually going to go with... Um, Faisal's question first, which almost sets the tone as well. Before we get into kind of posting content and showing up on LinkedIn, is LinkedIn good for all type of brands in any industries or does any specific industry, you know, which you operate that is better than others? I think this will help us really kind of go into the next stage as well. On LinkedIn, uh, there are, so in, I, I believe it was earlier this week, LinkedIn have announced that they have 1 billion members on LinkedIn. There are 1 billion people that have a LinkedIn account you're bound to find somebody that does what you do or you're bound to find like an ideal client or somebody that you want to work with. Whereas before, previously, LinkedIn used to be very much a B2B platform. It's like, let's, you know, let's be accountants and HR and lawyers and stuff. Nowadays, it's like, we'll just sell anything. We'll sell fish or Coca-Cola or whatever. You know, it's like you could sell anything to anyone. And I think the point is that it's not necessarily about you don't always have to find the end client. Sometimes it's about finding that referral network that does other things for you. So it's the what I call tippers tentacles. You connect with somebody and then they engage with your content and then their network sees your content. So what you're doing is you're pulling, you're sending out the tentacles and bringing people back and you're sucking them in. And that's the thing. And I think that works in any industry. So connecting to the right people is very important, but also creating content that those people would want to read that obviously tells people about you, no matter what you do, whether it's B2B, B2C, 
like I know lots of marketers now call, you know, H to H, you know, human demon. Yeah, yeah, I get that. However, the point is any business can thrive on, on LinkedIn. To give you an example, there are 330 goat herders on LinkedIn. Don't ask me how I know that. That's just a, you know, but that, I mean, if goat herders can be, oh, and there's sheep dippers as well. And that's, don't ask me what they are. We'll Google it. But there's generally people in almost any sector, any business that you can think of. What you have to do is find them and engage with them, create content that they want to read. If you're not creating content, go and speak to them and make sure that you stay in their face so that they come back to you, basically. So that's, uh, yeah, it's for, it's, for, it's for everybody. That's the main <laughs> First of all, now you are getting a little happy dance, everybody. And again, if you're not watching on YouTube, then you just can imagine this is a different dance. <laughs> the reason why I love that, and just to add one more piece of like my own advice to the answer to the question, is that you talked about the octopus. And I think it's a great image, actually, of standing out each platform. And in this case, LinkedIn works for you. For some of us, there are some platforms that I genuinely believe are talking to specific people within our ecosystem that might not be the end client. And I love that you mentioned that because we don't talk about that enough. And just because maybe, let's say a higher percent end client might not be on LinkedIn or on LinkedIn as your end client. You know, maybe your clients are parents, but that person is not there as a parent, is there as a professional. One, it doesn't mean that they will need your support as a parent. But two, as you mentioned, it's good to kind of ask ourselves, who are the main people that I can reach out on LinkedIn? Are the potential partners? Are the potential investors? As you say, is a potential network amplifier or is my end client? And I think that, as you say, will really shape then the way that you show up. So thank you for mentioning that. And that's also part of my advice linked to that. Just go back and ask yourself, who am I going to reach on LinkedIn? And I think that's, we don't ask ourselves that enough and, you know, kind of make sure that we know that first. And there's another question you talked about content and we're diving deep into that. I know that live, especially we have quite a few people that already are active, but I love this question from our lovely member, Andrea. Hello. Uh, one of our students from the community. Um, I'd love to know your tips for beginners and assuming the profile is optimized and audience is curated. So that's, that's what we're looking at. How would you develop content based on the marketing funnel on LinkedIn? I think there are so many ways that we can go about it. What does come into your mind straight away with this question? So me, so I, I have what I call uh, the 70-30 split. I, it's a long story. I call it the Daniel Craig content strategy. It's a long story. I've got images that go with it. It's a post on LinkedIn. Um, basically, 70% of my content, I don't know if you've seen Daniel Craig in the Belvedere advert, the vodka, and he's like, he's dancing. There's like minutes of him dancing, basically. 70% of my content is like Daniel Craig dancing, right? 30% of my content is Daniel Craig, like James Bond, the serious guy, the suit, you know, the like looking serious, etc. When it comes to creating content, don't forget, like the personality content uh, is where you're going to get engagement and get reach, etc. The, the business content is we're going to tell people what you do for a living. So now, for me, it's a very arbitrary figure. Like I said, it's 70-30. So 70% of my content is very personable. Like, for example, oh, I met Fab at a networking event, or I went networking, or I'm on a podcast, or, you know, I'm, I bought some orange trainers, or I'm eating orange chocolate, you know, that kind of stuff. That's 70% of my content. 30% of my content is I do marketing. I do marketing strategy. I do LinkedIn training. This is what I do for a living. This is how you can give me some money. Please give me some money. That's kind of, that's 30% of my content. Now, my advice is, particularly for beginners is start telling a story about who you are you know it's that kind of the because we can go to google and you can go to google now and just type in social media manager and there's like five million pages and i'm not on page number one 
but you will choose me because you like Orange Chocolate or you like Orange Trainers or you like the networking event that I go to or you like Fab and she said something nice about me or something like that. That's what you want to do. You want to, Your content should be to your clients, but telling the world what makes you different from everybody else that does what you do. But don't forget, in between that, you still have to tell people, this is what I do, please give me some money. So it's the, for me, it's a slip, basically. So if you're going to do three posts a week, for example, two of them could be about your week, and then one of them specifically is a sales post, like, this is what I do for a living. The sales post will never do as well as the other posts, but that's okay, because the engagement rolls over. You want people to get the big engagement pieces, so when you do post content about what you do for a living, they roll over and they kind of see that, and it becomes a it becomes a reinforcement. It's like, oh, he does marketing, but he also eats orange chocolate. I like orange chocolate. I should give him some money, you know, that kind of stuff. But the, the first thing that I, when you mentioned this, was actually you redoing that ad at some point, whenever <laughs> budgets allow it, or you just have the capacity, oh. that that would Maybe. be brilliant. I want to make sure that everybody in the world sees that because that would be yeah. <laughs> If you don't know the Daniel Craig ad, go and check it out. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, one question that I would have as a follow-up question myself, and then maybe diving a bit deeper into the funnel piece, I'm going to add a question to that too. But the first question I have is when it comes to the more relatable content, that's something that I know some people might be thinking or might want to ask themselves is, do you actually have some value for the audience that is specific to something they can take away or is it you know the, with the idea of add value every single time you post or some of it is just generally you sharing that you bought some orange trainers and that is awesome i think that's one of the things a lot of people think about when it comes to creating the content that they do yeah so i call it the adrian mole strategy so obviously you're not old enough to remember adrian mole but you know, thir- 13 and uh, three quarters, you know, it was a diary. It was a book when we were kids and stuff. Basically, Adrian Mole used to journal his life and it was a diary and we read his diary. It was a children's book. Uh, LinkedIn is very much the same. I believe it's like a journaling piece. Like let's journal our week. Monday, I did this. Tuesday, I did this. Wednesday, I did this. What it does is, although it may seem very personal, it actually tells your audience what makes you tick and what you get up to and what your day-to-day. If you spend all day every day saying, I'm working. I'm a social media manager. Today I'm on Facebook. Today I'm on Instagram. Today I'm on TikTok. Nobody cares. It's like, yeah, that's your job, you know, kind of thing. When you talk about, well, I bought some orange trainers or I went networking or I met Fab or I did a live podcast and all that kind of stuff. It's that bit where people learn, oh, he does that as well and he likes this or he does this. And then what happens is it's the reinforcement. So when people start thinking, like you said, when you think of orange, you think of Gus. You know, hopefully when you think of LinkedIn, you think also think of Gus. But generally, <laughs> you know, it's the it's the association of things. And I think, you know, sometimes I spoke to somebody today who was a chartered financial planner and she says that she does like cold water swimming. And I said, that's great. I don't know any. To be honest, I don't know any chartered financial planners. But now I know a chartered financial planner that does lake swimming, like cold water swimming. And it's the it's the association, the reinforcement. So you have to be too personal. But. They just have to give people an insight into your life just so that, because again, it's part of the funnel. People buy from people. Otherwise, they can just go to Google and search for anybody they want, basically. So, and you want to stop people going to Google so they come to you first and they remember you because of other things. That is so important. I see the only one uh, challenge that some people might have, and I wanted to quickly explore that scenario because it's a complementary scenario, but slightly different where either you are mainly because you're part of a team or because you have a client to actually either be on LinkedIn has a company page 
or be on LinkedIn and handle the LinkedIn of somebody else within your team or one of your clients or help them do that. Do you think there's any difference when it comes to that? That there's anything that we need to think about instead or does the same rule apply? I, I think if we put ourselves in those shoes, it can be harder to think about what am I going to be talking about if I'm not talking about it as myself. So what would you say if somebody has to build that type of brand, but for somebody else or for an entity? Is it possible? Is it not? What are some of your thoughts? It's as a social media manager, I would say, oh, it's very easy for me to talk like somebody else, etc. But there, there's a, there's a certain thing. Now, I'll give you a slightly longer answer here. In my LinkedIn headline, it says I'm the UK's number one LinkedIn trainer. And then at the end, it says, according to my mum. Now, the reason I do that, A, it's a joke, but also it's because people read that, think, oh, this guy's funny. So I'm, I, he will write good content for us. If you're a really professional, boring kind of like you don't, if that's the kind of business that you are, you're not going to come to me. And I repel those companies because I tell jokes and I have silly personable content and all that kind of stuff. So when it comes to writing as somebody else, yes, you have to learn what, you know, you can't, you have to learn what makes them tick, what their tone of voice is, how do they swear, do they use particular words, etc. I used to have a client that said, I use the word awesome all the time. And so do I. So I was like, this is great, because you're kind of, I could just copy my content and give it to you. So, it, you know, and it's, it's very difficult to write to somebody else. But then the whole point of LinkedIn is that if you are sharing a brand story, so if it's, if it's all developing into either the brand or the company brand, then you have a persona. You have to create a persona for yourself, as in like your own persona. Obviously, don't not a fake one. You have to be authentic, but it has to be you. And it sh and that would be easily shareable. Like got somebody to write as me, they would always use the word awesome. They would always talk about orange stuff. They'd always tell jokes. You know all that kind of stuff. It would be it'd be pretty easy for somebody to do that. And I think that's the thing. It's if you are always yourself, it's very easy for somebody else to pick that up, kind of thing. So as soon as you try to be somebody else on LinkedIn that's that's where it fails so it's very easy to be yourself it's very easy to say oh and if you're going to write to somebody else just be them you know because hopefully that person and themselves i know that's a lot easier said than done but it's it's a lot easier than trying to pretend like be fake if you know what i mean or like create a persona for somebody else what i love within that is that if we take it as an action step as well for anybody who might be struggling with this is then go back actually to breaking down what is the persona that I'm going to say a brand, whether it's a personal brand that is somebody else or like a brand wants to be on LinkedIn. And it might be that it's the same persona that you have built all over your marketing. It might be that you actually have to ask yourself, what am I sharing about my work or my experiences that makes me unique? So there is actually in that there's an element of research and or defining that for ourselves. And I think it kind of at least gives us a place to start because that's when it can get daunting, as you say, because it can be easy to say, you know, just be yourself or just, you know, embody that person but we can actually do the research. It just takes an extra step. And I think it's important that we remember that, that at the end of the day, the investigative piece that we always talk about, being curious as a marketer, I think such a great skill that we don't talk about enough. Mm. Uh, and sometimes it's about ourselves, sometimes it's about others as well. And I have one more question that is a follow-up that actually Andrea asked earlier in the community, but I picked it up. <laughs> uh, and is, um, and I love this question, and it was more about maybe defining things that you can talk about, content pillar in the context of LinkedIn. I'm going to go with this and maybe have two elements of it. So I'd love to know your method of defining content pillars in the context of LinkedIn and how to stay authentic and inspired. That is going to be the twofold. We're going to start with, would you suggest or do you have other 
pillars or topics that you go back to, or you basically work on that 70-30 kind of split, and that's kind of how you define what content you're going to post. That's my first question. So to answer that question, so particularly even in the 70-30 split, there are content pillars. So for example, you know, every two weeks I host a networking event. So I know at least once I'm going to post about that. I'm running a LinkedIn conference. So at least once I've got to post about that. And these content pillars change over the years, like over the months, because obviously when the LinkedIn conference is done, I'm not going to post about it. It's not a content pillar anymore until the next one, obviously. Um, so you have these kind of content pillars that are interchangeable, but there are some content pillars which will just remain forever, like recommendations, testimonials, the different services that you offer, the people that you speak to, uh, the kind of clients you want to work with, etc. Those kind of content pillars will just be the same forever. But you should have regular content pillars that change depending on the season or depending on what you're doing and depending on what you're up to because it obviously keeps you not only does it keep your content fresh it reminds people of the different kind of like the breadth of information that you can provide to them uh in terms of what you do so but i mean to define content is never easy it's, it's different for everybody but ultimately i would me personally so three posts a week two posts are quite personable but they're about things that I do. So networking or since trainers or in juggler or whatever, speaking to fab, you know, all that going speaking gigs and all that podcasts, you know, all that kind of stuff. They are personable content pillars. But one of my content pillars every week is I must talk about a service that I offer, whether it's marketing strategies, whether it's LinkedIn training, whether it's corporate team training, whatever it is. Um, so I do that on a regular basis. So you have to define them, but don't don't be afraid to, to kind of mix them and change them up because ultimately the audience always changes as well. And not 100% of your audience will see 100% of your content. So it's always good to mix it up on a regular basis. That's actually a great reminder as well. Even on places like LinkedIn, I think sometimes we forget that. We talked about association repetition quite a lot today. So I think it goes back to that point when it comes to your content. And as you say, it kind of creates that balance. And even your services then and what you do gets associated with you, which I think is really important. So the second piece, just to tail this off, and I'll see if there's any other questions as well from our lovely students in Rebels Live is about this staying authentic and inspired. I am almost on the other end of the spectrum, so I really have to think about giving people suggestions because I always have ideas. It's, it's good, but it's also bad. I always have ideas of content that I can talk about because I constantly ask myself questions. So that will be my practical tip on my side. What have I learned today? Um, you know, What have I done this week? And within that, then I keep track, again, system queen. I know that if you know the school, you will know I'm a systems queen. And I keep track of all of these ideas. And then I will go through the process of editing and refining them to turn them into actual posts. But if it's there, I make sure that I can capture it as quickly as I can. So for me, it's hard to put myself into the shoes of somebody that is stuck and doesn't know what to share because I've been ingrained into the system. But what would you say for somebody who is not me, <laughs> basically, who actually does struggle with that idea of, inspiration because they're still trying to define some of the pillars or some of the things they can get back to forget pillars particularly when you want to be authentic and inspired forget the pillars what you want to do is think that everything is content if you are listening to this live podcast this is content go write about it and say oh i did this today kind of thing you go and have dinner later and you spill coffee on the floor or whatever go write about it that's a post you know and it's all that kind of stuff you know and it's and it doesn't it doesn't have to be wasn't there oh i dropped coffee and it taught me that actually i should go get a marketing degree or whatever you know it doesn't make any sense right so sometimes you just want to tell stories because they are stories and what it is it gives people an insight into your life so 
to be so i mean everything is content that's the first thing but the second thing is there are we have at our fingertips a whole host of resources such as google answer the public chat gpt you know open ai all this other kind of stuff what i like to do is and particularly for for clients i go to google and i just type in a question like for example if i have a legal client i'll just type in why do i need a lawyer and then all of a sudden you've got loads of content that says this is why you need a lawyer etc at the bottom of page 1 there will it will say people who ask this also ask this question and there are eight other questions so i can answer all eight of those questions and all of a sudden i've got eight pieces of content and if i'm posting three times a week that's like two weeks of content right more or less now then we have websites like answerthepublic.com you go to answer the public you literally just type in something so i would go in there and just type in linkedin and then it will give me a million questions why do i need linkedin how do i use linkedin who is linkedin who works on linkedin or whatever it may be and it's like a million questions then i go and answer those questions now admittedly they are work related questions so that would be my work related content pillar i would come back to everything in my day is my authentic and inspired content pillar in terms of i'm going to tell people that i'm on this podcast or i'm going to tell people that i went networking i'm going to tell people that i just had a cup of tea or i'm going to tell people that my phone battery died or you know whatever and it's just these i mean not that i'm going to do that that would be nonsensical but it's the it's the day to day just start thinking of can i write something related to this will people be interested in this and 99 times out of 100 yes people will be interested in what you do because it it intersperses the work stuff i can talk all day every day about linkedin most people will and just like yeah okay i get it you're a linkedin trainer i get it but when i say oh i do this and i do that and i've got networking and etc and people are like all oh, right that's that's cool like that's what makes him tick so just i think everything around you can be content and there will come a time where you just think actually that's that's an abundance of content now i've got much i need to rein it in so yeah just just think everything around <laughs> you is content <laughs> that is literally one of the the most powerful yet simple pieces of advice that when mm. you see it that way and i love the example that you brought as well from like just a cup of coffee it doesn't mean that you have to talk about why you should go and change your marketing strategy just because of my and i think yeah. that's that can be one of the challenges that we have as well that we don't talk about enough is actually finding understanding that sometimes the value that people want to get is getting to understand you and to know you and to see somehow how you overcome other challenges that are not necessarily work related or whatever that might be instead of trying to almost force it in which you mentioned a bit into a topic yeah. that doesn't fit in I have one more tip on this note and then I'm going to have one more question from the audience which is if you're then are working with a client to be like us and or you're doing this on the behalf of somebody else these questions like for example the google questions that you can get from, from obviously searching these are great questions that either you can ask yourself on their behalf or this can be a process where every month that's what I would do with what our clients I actually ask ask them some questions and then most of our clients because we don't have a lot on the agency side because this call takes enough time many clients but still all of them I say just do me a voice note respond how you would with a noise note answering each question and then this is invaluable because it helps us build up on their tone of voice what they would actually say and it kind of gives us that insights so just wanted to mention that as a note if you're doing something at somebody else there are millions of things you can do that works really well for us so something that maybe you want to explore Final question before we go into quick fire is once again from Andreas on fire. I'm obsessed with this. Thank you. Um yes, I'm curious to know how would you recommend others prevent from becoming irrelevant if you post lots of everyday stuff? Okay, so it's basically about balance, right? Balance in posting. 
Yeah. Now, what I recommend to my clients, particularly those that are beginners or particularly those that don't post too much content, I recommend that once a week, so for example, every Friday, write a post about your week. Monday, I did this. Tuesday, I did this. Wednesday, I did this, etc. Now, I don't know, live on an island, the uh, like not England, I mean, like a much smaller island. Um, if you live on an island, it's likely that your week is going to be different every week right so no matter who you are or where you are etc your week is always going to be different one week you're going to and i know i keep talking about this but it's the content pillars that i'm thinking of one week you might do networking the following week you might go shopping the following week you'll make a lasagna or whatever etc and there's always different things that we can post and you talk about but interspersed so for example monday i went networking tuesday i met with a client wednesday i went for a coffee Thursday, I received a lovely testimony. Or Friday, we're all going to have pizza in the office, you know, whatever it may be. And then the next week, it'll be something completely different. So, but the way to stop it being the way to keep it fresh and make sure that your audience are interested in in that is because A, your week is different every week, but B, you're also sharing the work stuff. The work like, oh, well, this is a client testimonial I received. Here's a case study, or here's what I do, or here's a different service that I offer and all that kind of stuff. So, it's making sure that you you remind your audience that well this is what I do for a living and this is how I make money, but then it's the weekly post that says but this is what makes me tick this is you know who I am and all that kind of stuff, um, and in theory hopefully it should be kind of different every week. It's very apart you know apart from all of that the old idea is to to grow a band of brand followers, brassadors, people that talk about you. So for example, Fab may never give me any money but she will talk to other people about me that other people might give me money, you know, like she'll say, oh, you need a LinkedIn trainer. You should speak to Gus, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, sometimes it's about, so I would say Fab is a brand ambassador of mine. I'm a brand ambassador of Fab's and that's, you know, that's where the kind of the networks grow. So it's never going to become stale because people either love you or they don't. And if they don't, then fine, don't worry. We'll find, there's a billion people on LinkedIn. We'll find somebody that does, right? So it's fine. Somebody that as interested in sheep as you are. That's still, yeah. that's still tick for me. Uh, <laughs> that's tick. That's not, and neither. I'm not interested in sheep or goats, just to clarify for the live podcast. I'm obsessed. Yeah. Gus, thank you so much. First of all, can we give some hearts if we're here live uh, for Gus before we get into quick fire? Just, uh, there we go. So we've got lots of hearts from all the lovely students and rebels that joined us live and now it's quick fire time just to put even more pressure on us because it wouldn't be a podcast app without a quick fire are we ready i was born ready spotify playlist or podcast spotify playlist nice is there a go-to spotify playlist before i get to the next uh yeah i have my spotify playlists like split into uh rock music chill out music dance music and uh <laughs> I've got one playlist of all the music I would have if I walked onto a big stage. So, and I love, you know, so yeah, you know, so. Uh, Doesn't have that yeah. too. Yeah, I know, we have to have it, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, we're so self it's the power songs. <laughs> yeah, the, exactly, yeah, yeah. So my walk-on music makes me wake up and think, yeah, I'm gonna seize the day. You know, that's the main thing, so. I'm obsessed, that's actually a great tip, the little power songs, the kind of walk-on stage songs. Yeah. Um, voice notes or texts? first time we meet texts after that voice notes of course Using <laughs> people in i love yeah. that carousels or reels carousels tiktok or youtube uh oh youtube of that yeah. <clears throat> and finally the most important question memes or gifs memes definitely memes they can say so much more 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Meme can say a thousand words, unless it's a personalized gift, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, well, that yeah. might come into anybody's DMs if you're not careful with me. <laughs> Just like a gift <laughs> of me. Yeah. <laughs> Gus, thank you so much again. Before I let you remind people where they can find out more about you, uh, I want to ask you one final, final question. Sure. If you were to choose one party trick, what would that be? What would be your ultimate party trick? Do you have one? Wow, party trick. Uh, the only thing I can think of, and it's because I do this with my son. So I've got a young son, he's six years old. So I do card tricks, but they're not very good card tricks. They're absolutely terrible card tricks. But for six-year-olds, they're the best. Like I do things like I'll put like coins in my hand and say, oh, you got something in your ear. And, you know, and he's like, wow, this is amazing. And obviously, you know, it's a, so, but yeah, my party trick, as long as it's a kid's party, is I can do really terrible, <laughs> really terrible card tricks. That's the, that's the thing I can do. Really. I love that. So we got the caveat of kids' yeah. parties. That's the best. It has party to, yeah. Okay, Ado I'll take it. I'll take it. Adults just. will not be impressed. So, you know, so. Thank you so, so much. You're getting some love in the chat as well. We're getting some waterfalls of love everywhere. Hearts. Thank you so much. Where can people find out more about you if they're ready to kick off their LinkedIn as well? So uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as obviously Gus Bandel, but also if you Google M Guru K. That's my hashtag. That's my suffix. That's my handle. M Guru UK. Go and Google that. And I'm on the first 10 pages. You'll see me. You'll see my my LinkedIn, my Facebook, my Instagram, my Twitter, my Be Real, my Clubhouse, my talk, my <laughs> Pinterest, my Discord, my Parlor. You know, I, like I'm on like, you know, 50,000 different channels. And then you'll find my website and you'll find um, kind of my inside leg measurement and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, just everything's on Google. M Guru UK. Um, or, all the good things uh, that we need yeah exactly basically. but i do my but i do my best work on linkedin just you know just to be clear <laughs> i love that guys thank you so much again i hope that you found the energy and inspiration that you need to show up on linkedin as your best selves as always and just a reminder for me before we leave be kind to yourself and others and remember that true marketing speaks to hearts not just to minds and until next time team class is dismissed <laughs>